Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. What is going on, folks, and welcome to episode 113 of the Fretzelmania podcast, The Pit List. I am Mr. Fretz, the North American treasure of Wrestle Attic Radio, and today I am going to review SmackDown from April 10th, 2003. Piper's Pit makes its triumphant return to WWE TV. We also see a champion versus champion match, pitting the undisputed champion Brock Lesnar versus the cruiserweight champion Matt Hardy, version 1, and also more tournament matches to determine the number one contender at Backlash. But first, we're going to go grapple surfing, grab the remote control, and see what else is on during this week in wrestling. Monday Night Raw, April 7th, 2003, from the Bradley Center in... Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We have Trish Stratus retaining the women's championship against Jazz. Chief Morley defeats Rob Van Dam. The Rock defeats Jeff Hardy. The Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, beat Kane. In a handicap match, probably also booked by Chief Morley and Eric Bischoff. Goldust defeated Steven Richards, and in the main event, the team of Booker T and Shawn Michaels beat Chris Jericho and Triple H, accompanied by Ric Flair. After the match, Triple H and Chris Jericho beat down. HBK and Booker T. They tie Shawn Michaels up in the ropes. Triple H grabs his sledgehammer, about to bash Michaels' brains in. Out comes a returning Kevin Nash. Nash hasn't been seen in over nine months since a six-person tag team match in mid-2002 saw him tear his quad from just walking to the corner to try and tag in his partners. Nash has had unfortunate luck when it comes to his injuries like that. Uh, This was no different. Uh, Nash looks like he was bringing back the classic uh, diesel look from the mid-90s. His his hair was dyed black. Uh, He jackknifed Chris Jericho, and he looked really good here. So we got the click. Kind of back on Monday Night Raw, the two dudes with attitudes, if you will, former tag team champions and former holders of 
all the titles in the WWE at some point. If you go back to uh, In Your House from September 1995, we had a winner-take-all match pitting the tag team champions Owen Hart and Yokozuna going up against the two dudes with attitudes, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, uh, who were holders of the Intercontinental and World titles, respectively. Owen Hart was nowhere to be seen during this event, so uh, President Gorilla Monsoon, I believe he was the president by this point in time, said, okay, you got to find yourself a substitute who will be a tag team champion on Owen's behalf. In walks his brother-in-law and future tag team champion partner of Owen Hart himself, the British Bulldog. Now in this match, uh, Owen Hart arrives and he gets pinned. This uh, caused much controversy in the kayfabe of WWE, so the titles were held up and the next night on Raw, the Smoking Guns beat Owen and Yoko for the titles. That is a great little... uh, History bit for you fellow uh, wrestling history nerds. Got to give credit to uh, Justin Henry for this uh, for this historical little footnote here. Meanwhile, at Impact Wrestling, we had NWA TNA Weekly Pay-Per-View number 39. Ironically, since I just turned 39 years old, I thank you to those who wished me a happy birthday this past Sunday. Chris Harris pinned... The Rocker, and no, not the titular character from the Rain Wilson film some six years after this event. We had Conan beating Salvatore Renaro via submission, so Tequila Sunrise, definitely. Eric Watts and David Flair tagging up in a who's a worse second generation wrestler team, beating the Beale Street Posse. I did not bother to see if this was actually the Mean Street Posse or the Main Street Posse, I, I just didn't have the time. And also, James Storm pinned Derek King. Now on to the main show. The Harris Twins beat the Sandman and New Jack and the Disciples of the New Church in an armed asylum match when Ron Harris pinned the Sandman. In a, in parentheses on this particular website, ladder match, Death the Road, baby, he, uh, he beat a Grandmaster Thekthe, uh, Brian Lala, if you will. AJ Styles pinned Glenn Galberti, and on behalf of the entire internet wrestling community on Twitter, thank you for that. Sonny Siaki and Desire beat David Young and Athena in 41 seconds. <laughs> When Desire pinned Athena. So David Young's losing streak dates back even here. You want to go through a great rabbit hole in TNA wrestling. Uh, Nate, I'm looking at you, bro. Uh, look up David Young's losing streak. It's the reverse Goldberg. It's it's like Kurt Hawkins 10 years before Kurt Hawkins. It's otherworldly. Perry Saturn beat Mike Barton via submission And if the name Mike Barton rings a bell, then you should uh, keep your ears open because I just talked about him a couple of minutes ago. It's Bart Gunn. Bart the Hammer Gunn, Smoking Guns, uh, Brawl for All. Had a hell of a career in Japan after the WWE. 
Did a couple of tours back home. This was one of them. D'Lo Brown pinned above average Mike Sanders. Raven pinned Kid Cash. And in the main event, we had a four corners tag team elimination match. Pitting Jerry Lynn and the Amazing Red. Defeating Triple X, represented by Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper. Johnny Storm and Chris Sabin and the team of Shark Boy and Jason Cross. And if you want to look up something on YouTube quickly right now, look up Jason Cross's Crossfire, a Shooting Star Press leg drop, which still in 2023 looks absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Lynn and the Amazing Red won this match. We had Daniels pinning Cross, Lynn pinning Sabin, and then Red, Red pinning Daniels. And finally, the favorite show of the RA Era podcast and cute Kyle from the Apron Bump, we have Velocity. A-Train defeating Chad Collier. Now, Chad Collier, this was a name in early Ring of Honor that a lot of people thought was, was going to be something. You know, he reminds me a lot of, of Roderick Strong, does Chad Collier. Kind of the same look, the same kind of style, but he... He just didn't pan out, long story short. Tajiri pitting Shannon Moore, and in the main event of Velocity, we got the FBI, Nunzio, Chuck Palumbo, and Johnny Stamboli defeating Los Guerreros and Funaki. And I can only imagine that uh, Funaki probably took the pin in this match. And finally, we are on to SmackDown, April 10th, 2003, from the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. Kicking off this show, we had fans, in heavy parentheses here, congratulating Brock Lesnar on his title win at WrestleMania. And in amongst these fans is a young Sean Devari and CM Punk. And that is so appropriate that that came up on this particular week that I'm recording, uh, April 25th. 2023, where CM Punk was visiting backstage at Monday Night Raw, allegedly asked to leave. Dude was bored, okay? He lives around the corner from the damn arena. Give him a break. And then uh, Brock Lesnar uh, signs someone's tits. I can only imagine was a female independent wrestler that I do not know who it is. And we kick off this show immediately with the Champion versus Champion Challenge. Matt Hardy, version 1, challenging the undisputed champion Brock Lesnar, of course, V1, being the current cruiserweight champion. Today's Matt Facts. Matt's book is a New York Times bestseller, of course. And Matt is currently the longest reigning champion on SmackDown. A whopping two months as the cruiserweight champion. He's already treating this like it's the biggest thing in his entire career. And for a little while, he would be right. Brock Lesnar knocks that title off and puts his WWE title on the ground. Like a lion in the sand. And Matt Hardy looks down and I'm looking at this. And I, and I think to myself, do you remember when the internet wrestling community said that Matt Hardy would win the 
WWE title, that Matt Hardy would be the one that would have the more successful career. Now, if you were like me in mid-2003 and going on um, forum websites, WrestlingGameZone.com forums represent, we were all talking about this very thing, arguing over who would have the better career. A lot of us saying Matt because you know this gimmick right now was gold. Uh, at this time in 2003, unfortunately, Jeff Hardy was kind of a train wreck. This, in in my mind, I'm probably way off saying this, but this could be where Jeff's problems began. And here we are 20 years later. Jeff Hardy recently came back with his latest bout with fighting sobriety. And, you know, we could argue this, but, you know, Jeff Hardy is a multi-time WWE champion, world heavyweight champion, TNA champion. Actually, so is Matt Hardy. Matt won the WWE CW title. But, but both of these men have had their demons, and unfortunately for Jeff, his have been harder to slay. You know, Matt Hardy had quite a dark path some time ago. I think a lot of us might remember those semi-suicidal like Reddit posts from way back in the day. Give credit to like his his wife and his kids for really pulling Matt out of this. And I, I just hope Jeff's okay, man. Just, my God. Sideberg aside here, Brock Nails V1. And Shannon Moore. V1 then nails Brock with the Cruiserweight title while the referee is trying to break up this little schmoz. Matt Hardy is taking advantage here of Brock's recent concussion. We've seen the shooting star press miss replayed a bunch of times on this episode of SmackDown already, and they're capitalizing on a very real injury that Brock suffered at WrestleMania 19. I mean, this almost broke his neck. The match was almost over right there. Brock was out on his feet, and Kurt Angle kind of had to snap him back into it, and Kurt Angle was effed on his own right. It's a miracle that that match not only even happened, but finished. Matt flips over Brock and then kicks him. We get a neck breaker, and Brock is looking vulnerable to Matt Hardy. What? Yeah, Brock is selling for Matt. That shows the level of respect that Matt Hardy had in the SmackDown locker room. He would go on to be a veteran for this brand for years to come. Eventually, Lesnar gets the electric chair and nearly drops Matt right on his heed, right on his noggin. It looked ugly. Lesnar gets a bunch of clotheslines and now he's pissed. Suplex City... We see a British Bulldog Power Slam by Brock Lesnar, but Shannon Moore grabs V1 because he's bizarre. But then the twist of fate is denied into an F5, and then Brock Lesnar wins this match. Because tonight we see the return of Piper's Pit, we get a classic Piper moment. We see a few of these through this episode. We start off with one of the first Piper's Pits ever with enhancement talent, Frankie Williams. 
talking about, you know, how he may be a lousy wrestler, but... And then Roddy Piper just belts him, gets in front of the camera, and says one of his most infamous quotes of all time. Just when they got the answer, they think they got the answers, I change the questions. You know, we also see, you know, we hear that the last Piper's Pit was 1989, WrestleMania 5 at Trump Plaza with Morton Downey Jr., Roddy Piper, and Dude Love, and the Fire Extinguisher, and that whole bit. And just a bit of real talk here quickly, uh, Roddy Piper, he really reminds me of my dad, kind of. Well, because they were born out the same year. They were both born in 1954. And Roddy Piper passed around the same time my father was starting to have really bad health problems that eventually led, led to him leaving. But man, it, it it makes me smile because I think of both of them and yeah, they're probably having a little powwow on the, on the other side right now. Sable comes out for some reason. With boobs as fake as her personality. Although, I mean... I was going through changes when she was... Popular. You know. But anyways... She is coming out to admire this next match. A mixed tag team match. With Tori Wilson and Brian Kendrick going up against Nydia and Jamie Noble. This is a bit that you have to you have to look this up on YouTube. OSW Review calls it lesbian pollen, where you get two heterosexual females acting like they're attracted to each other for mind games, I guess. Just just look just go and look up that bit. It's one of OSW's actually top viewed videos because you are all friggin' perverts. I'm one t- <laughs> My lord. So, Jamie cheap shots Kendrick while he is doing the gentlemanly thing of letting Tori under the ring and into their, into their corner by the tag rope. A German suplex is reversed into a flip over by Kendrick. Noble does a corner belly-to-belly, and, and Kendrick lands right on his noggin. Nydia tries to get a couple of cheap shots in, and then we get the Jamie Noble rest hold. The sliced bread number two is reversed into a neck breaker by Jamie in a fantastic looking reversal spot. And I got the answer to the question that I've been asking internally since I saw Brian Kendrick around this time. Why is his finisher called sliced bread number two? Because it's the next best thing after sliced bread, says Taz. So thank you, Taz, for answering a question that I've been asking for 20 years. We hear a bunch of we want Tory chants. I guess they don't care about Kendrick. That's mean. I've always been a big fan of Kendrick. Yeah, some of his worldview that's been on Earth is a little strange. But I'm not the kind of guy that vilifies people for their politics or for the way they think, unless it's blatantly extremely racist. 
Like, and I, I don't think his had that. I haven't really had a glance at it. I don't give a shit is what I'm getting at about who you vote for and all that. If you're a good person, that's that's good enough for me. A lot of cybergs on this episode. So Nydia tries to splash Tori. Denied. Gets the hot tag. We get a bunch of chops. No, Nydia tries to splash Kendrick. I, I apologize. Then we get the hot tag to Tori. Emphasis on the hot. Bunch of chops. A leg sweep. Noble gets on the gets on the apron and eats a slap. Noble tries to tiger bomb Tori, but Kendrick interferes with a missile drop drop kick. Tori lands a swinging neckbreaker, but Noble pulls out. Giggity. Kendrick is on the rope. Nydia pushes him off of it. Nydia then accidentally crossbodies Jamie Noble, allowing Tori to get the lay the smackdown rock spinning DDT for the win. And Sable likes what she sees. Wink, wink. Backstage, Brock Lesnar and Brock have a chat with Rhino. Benoit and Rhino have a quarterfinal match for the number one contendership coming up next. And they are both overlooking each other and looking at Brock Lesnar at Backlash. And Brock says that, I hope you guys just beat the piss out of each other. Just take each other out. Now let this remind you folks to hydrate yourselves when you're podcasting. Next up, we have Chris Benoit versus Rhino. And there is a lot of beef out here, pal. Like These two, I mean, they're stiff workers as it is. You get these two guys as a unit, as a tag team, just stiff, technical, power wrestling. You know, Rhino's not a guy that's really known for being technical with the graps, but having a guy like Benoit in your corner will help teach you solid fundamentals. Uh, Rhino fell into the same crowd as Edge and Christian and Joey Legend, so he probably was trained by the likes of Sweet Daddy Seeky, much like Edge and Christian. So Rhino does know the fundamentals, but he's more known for power and hardcore wrestling. He's still going today. Like he's still wrestling in 2023, and that is, you know, can of Coke. Can of Coke to him. That's impressive. So we see a lot of hard hits right here. Rhino with a clothesline and a suplex. Benoit with the chops and a clothesline of his own. Rhino with chops of his own. Nothing but live rounds. Rhino with a great belly-to-belly suplex. Sets up for the gore. It is denied. Benoit with more chops. Rhino with a Double A, Arn Anderson, Spine Busta, Mwah. Chef's Kiss, Se Magnifique, in Air Canada, three quarters of the way across the ring by Benoit. Say what you will about the man, but holy crap. Could that man fly across for a headbutt? He almost hit the other side of the ring. Dude almost did the damn coast to coast. Man, he probably could have if he tried. We see a cross face, but Rhino gets into the ropes. And then just out of nowhere, like an RKO, Benoit with a backslide, and he pins Rhino. Afterwards, Rhino reluctantly shows Benoit some respect. Bit of dissension here, perhaps. 
Backstage, oh boy. Sable is approaching Tori, who is in the shower. Sable then steals her towel and talks about, you know, Tori's Playboy. It's almost as good seller as mine was. Oh, we're going here. We're feuding over this. All right, so Tori steps out of the shower. Sable has her towel open as if to say, here you go. Let me see you naked and walk into this towel and I'll wrap it around you. Okay. Piper's Pit. Oh, oh boy. This is going to be good. We then see another classic Piper moment. This time, the Piper's Pit where he hits Jimmy Snuka with a coconut. If you know, you know. And if you don't, press pause, look it up on YouTube, and come back to me. Have a banana. Vince is in the ring, and he is bragging about firing Hogan. Saying that he gave Hulk Hogan a lethal dose of leprosy to pay him to be at home. And by the contract is up, he'll be old and in a wheelchair. We hear the asshole chants. And now, for another one of my creations, Piper's Pit. Here's Roddy, Rowdy, Roddy, Piper. Oh, boy. So Piper comes out to the ring here in his Frats Hall of Fame shirt. And I had to take a freeze frame of this because this was a list of fallen wrestlers that Piper was paying tribute here to. And that list included Art Barr, Rick Rude, Brian Pillman, Davey Boy Smith, Adrian Adonis, Owen Hart, Carrie Von Erich, Bruiser Brody, Mr. Perfect, Gone But Not Forgotten. And a couple of these wrestlers were, well, you know, not mentioned on WWE TV because of certain lawsuits going on. But Taz then says that uh, Piper's got that Irish temper, Cole. He's Scottish. He's Canadian. Yeah, okay, he's got Scottish in him, but Roddy Piper's Canadian, okay? Vince McMahon introduced Roddy Piper's guest, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And Piper just starts poking at Vince right away here, saying... You got very short fingers. What do women think about that? And I'm going to go cry. <clears throat> Vince McMahon tries to take credit for Piper's pit and all this kind of thing. And Roddy Piper just cuts him off saying nobody, but nobody created Roddy Piper and Piper's pit except me. You had nothing to do with it. Don't play with me. And Vince McMahon's like, oh, is this Piper's pit or Piper's paunch uh, poking at his belly? And says, the last time I saw a belly that big, Mae Young was pregnant and she gave birth to a hand. You look like you're working on twins. And uh, what's under that kilt? Is it an overhang flap? You look horrible. You're thinking of kicking my ass right now, aren't you? And then Piper just, okay, Vince, you're going to shoot. Okay, bitch, 
it's on. Hey, whatever happened to you being a, a rock and roll promoter? You went, oh, you went belly up. But what about the World Bodybuilding Federation? Oh, whatever happened to that? Gary Stridham. Wow. Sideberg, look up OSW's <laughs> retrospective of the WBF. Wow. Talks about Vince McMahon's padded shoulders. Hey, oh, you're wearing those padded shoulders under your suit. You're ready for football, aren't you? Oh, the XFL. Oh, oh, that was a big one, Vince. That was a big one. You've basically only had one job your whole life. You've been only been able to hold down one job. And that is the one your daddy gave you. Junior. Vince, IRL hates being called Junior. So you can look at Vince's face. He didn't like that very much. And then Piper's like, I'll give you some kind of credit. I don't know what it is yet. And then McMahon says, Pal, we have only one thing in common, and that is our dislike of Hulk Hogan. Piper then says, yeah, you did create Hulkamania, Vince. You'd be nothing without him, because he kept cutting my interviews. I hate you, Hogan. Vince puts his arm around him. Get your arm off of me, Vince, because I hate you too. Vince says, read my lips, Piper. You're a son of a bitch. Piper takes his jacket off. It takes one son of a bitch to know one. Goes for the handshake. I hate Hogan too. And then Vince McMahon leaves the ring. Like, oh Vince, I for, for, forget. You've done something I never have done in my entire career. Got beat by Hogan. One, two, Three. That's actually true. Uh, I think Piper went to the grave, never being actually pinned by Hulk Hogan. Now, they ended up having a couple of matches in WCW where Hogan, I think Piper beat him once and it was like a technicality or something. Uh, the next year, uh, Piper beat him again. Either there was DQ or shenanigans. But Hogan never pinned Piper. There was a whole bunch of other stuff with it. It was either a clean, in parentheses, win, or a shenanigans DQ, some crap. Yeah, go, go look up their matches in WCW. They're kind of fascinating. And then Rikishi comes out to the ring to extend this already extremely long Piper's Pit segment. I love me a segment. I love Piper's Pit. I love Roddy Piper. I mean, he, depending on the day, that man either cracks my top 10 wrestlers of all time or is like number 11 of all time. Just Piper untouchable on the microphone. So Rikishi comes up with a coconut. Oh boy. We know where this is going, right, folks? So... He gets on the microphone, Rikishi, 
and he brings up Jimmy Snuka. It's like, you remember what you did here with this coconut to my family member, Jimmy Snuka? Hold the phone. Hold the phone here, folks. Uh, I'm going to Google with this one. Okay, so he's linked to the family by marriage, but not a blood relative. Okay, so yeah, technically family member. Okay, we've got this one. And then he's kind of threatening Roddy Piper here. Piper's kind of acting like, okay, um, cooler heads prevail here and whatnot. But then out of nowhere, Sean O'Hare, the man that's been built up on TV as this devil's advocate, comes out as Piper's heavy, jumps Rikishi with a super kick, 360 clothesline, and then we get the deja vu spot. He holds Rikishi down, and what does Piper do? He gets that coconut, and just for one night, he goes back to 1983 and cracks Snuka in, no, cracks Rikishi in the head with the coconut. We then see a Les Nouvelles Mondales, a world update, an impending debut of René Dupree, Sylvain Grenier, La Résistance. They are here to teach Americans a lesson. There is no reason for you to fear us. Our wealth of culture should not intimidate you. La Résistance, a.k.a. the Bellens and Shit Shirts, are coming to the WWE. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I loved, unironically, I loved La Resistance. I mean, they were shit, but they were anti-American heels, so they were winners in my book. <laughs> Next up here, we have Team Angle going up against Tajiri and Rey Mysterio in a non-title match. Team Angle dedicate this match to Kurt and demand that the crowd join them in silent prayer like Republicans going after public schools. And Shelton Benjamin, after hearing a bunch of boos from the crowd, saying, this is why the Cubs haven't won a World Series in over 100 years. They wouldn't win one for another 13 years after the fact. And then Rey Mysterio's mystery partner. No, Rey Mysterio is the mystery partner of <laughs> Tajiri. Cut that, and it's in. Last week, we had Funaki and Tajiri unsuccessful in their match with Team Angle, so Tajiri decided to recruit someone new, that being Rey Mysterio. Rey does a bunch of kicks on Haas. We see a beautiful uh, tandem tag team move here with Tajiri locking in the tarantula on Charlie Haas, and Rey Mysterio drop-kicking Charlie right in the chest. That that move looked sick. That could be a tag team finisher. Just saying. We see a drop-kick and a kip-up by Rey. A pop-up super-kick by Shelton Benjamin. They're working over Rey for this bit to get Taj to get the hot tag. A German by Charlie Haas. Tajiri flips out of that. A springboard, not elbow, but clothesline. 
by Tajiri. We know he always does that back elbow, but this time he springboard and flipped over into a clothesline. Very nice looking spot. The champs go for their finishing move, the powerbomb, heart attack kind of deal, but it is reversed. We get a 619, a West Coast pop, and the champs lose in a non-title match. Backstage, Josh Matthews interviews The Undertaker in a West Coast Chopper's Toque, the same one that I probably owned around this point in time. I was obsessed with all the West Coast Chopper's stuff, mostly because that my childhood nickname was Chopper. I don't bring it up on here because, quite frankly, if you haven't known me my entire life, I don't allow you to call me that name. So I'm Mr. Fretz to all y'all that are listening to this, unless you're a relative who is listening to the show. Otherwise, yeah, um, I-, I loved all this merchandise, even if it was knockoff chopper stuff. If it had the word chopper on it, I bought it. He talks about Cena's comments in his rap last week, and it pissed off the dead man. He says that I expect respect when I'm in this locker room. I got more shower time than Cena has ring time. Oof. Ouch. And then he's going to get beat up. It's going to shut him up. And I'm going to bust him up. Cena is writing checks that his ass can't cash. Our next match here is... Oh no. Nathan Jones. The Colossus of Buckle Road. Making his in-ring debut against Bill DeMott. Oh no! Did I mention oh no? We hear a didgeridoo theme. Now it's a didgeridon't. And tonight SmackDown is brought to you by SmackDown Shut Your Mouth for the PS2. Subway, eat fresh. And Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell for the PS2. A very PS2 heavy episode of the show. Ah, the fire mine up a little later. In this match is a no laughing matter. We got a rookie and a bully. Nathan Jones with a punch, Bill DeMott with a takedown and a rest hold, a Brett's rope axe handle. Nathan Jones yeets Bill DeMott out of the ring and then just suddenly wins with a awful standing big boot that did not look fierce, intimidating. It didn't look like a hard hit. It was just a, uh, you ran into a boot and he won. Yeah, um, I think we're going to have to send this guy down to OVW or the WWA. <laughs> Shout out if you actually remember the WWA and Aaron McManus and that bizarre federation. Backstage, the FBI are being interviewed, saying that uh, we went for stereotype Italian food with the gabagool and the eggplant parm and the chicken parm and blah 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 blah. And when we came back, twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred beans were missing. What's the matter, you? Forget about it. Stereotype. And then they seem to have an idea for who may have done it. After the break, Nathan Jones is being questioned and is asked to join them downtown. Hey, you're just being questioned. There's accusations going on here, and Taker's like, "Hey, he did his time. Leave him alone." And just was about to make a joke about the American judicial system, which I don't blame him for one bit. And then Cena is seen backstage walking to the ring 
in. Oh, I am salivating right here. Vintage Montreal Expos gear. Baseball jersey, baseball hat, Montreal Expos. Uh, if you know your baseball history, I shouldn't have to tell you why I'm excited to see Expos gear here, despite the fact that I am a diehard Toronto Blue Jays fan. Next up here, we have Cena versus The Undertaker. John Cena has a rap about him being the new rookie phenom. Deadman Inc. is bankrupt. He's going to need an army of darkness. Ash, your ears are pricked up. I know they are. And says, I hope Paul Bearer's got a new urn for your ashes. He says he's going to turn the white socks brown. Uh, then he references a bunch of other stuff like Michael Jordan leaving Chicago. Do not push that button in Chi-Town. Do not push the last dance button in Chicago. And says that you're a dead man. I'm a necrophiliac. What? Anyways, this match is all Taker uh, until Taker was about to win this match until the FBI jump. Feed the dead man a whole bunch of chair shots and Cena wins. This was a huge win for John Cena at this point in time. A huge rub, like less than one year into his career. And he's beaten The Undertaker. You just know that The Rock is going to get strapped to this kid and it's going to get strapped on him very soon. We then see a match graphic where next week the finals of the number one contenders tournament for Backlash, John Cena versus Chris Benoit. I've already looked ahead on the next week. That's going to be a heck of a show. So I'll have that show next week, and I think there's one more SmackDown after that. Then we got Backlash. I know I'm going to be doing this well into the month of May, but that's how my schedule is going to work out. You know, I'm I'm working lots. There might be a week where you're not going to he hear me, but, you know, such is life. So thank you very much for listening. Can of Coke, if you've made it this far into the show. You can follow me on all my social medias at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This show is on WrestleAddict Radio. Say it with me, kids. The cure for the common wrestling podcast. Be sure to catch the rest of us on the War Realm, including my good brother Nate, the effing great, giving you your weekly dose of Impact Wrestling on Brace for Impact. He is currently in unfamiliar territory for me in Impact Wrestling. I need to start catching up on my Nate episodes. Also streaming every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. EST is the Kings of the Rings podcast. King Ricky Rose, Willie T, sometimes Agent K. Murphy, and some special guests. We had uh, Will Gray from Botched Spots and Chair Shots on recently. I think they're going to have Kyle from the Apron Bump on at some point in time. It's always a good time with, with these folks. Uh, be sure to join them. Put AEW on mute or DVR it and watch it later. And join the live chat where I'm and Taekwon and other people are just spouting off absolute nonsense. And also be sure to kick off your weekend in proper YLP fashion with the young Lions perspective, the Stephen A. Smith 
of Wrestle Addict Radio, Zach. Thank you very much, folks. And until next time, keep your stick on the ice. Go Leafs, go.